TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nordios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. It is Scoop Podcast episode 234. There isn't time to waste. We'll get to Sean Johnson reviewing the Twins draft later on. Plus, we'll get to Twins draft picks Matt Canarino and Matt Walner, the pride of Forest Lake, Matt Walner. But we begin with NBA draft talk. We'll get to Reed Travis, Minneapolis native, in just a second. But let me start with the latest on the Wolves. This is interesting. Remember, the Wolves don't announce their draft workout, so it's on guys like me to dig. Kobe White, North Carolina point guard, was in town today for a workout. It's hard for me to see him getting to pick 11. Now the Wolves will explore moving up. Will he fall to maybe pick 8 at Atlanta? Can they get to pick 7 with Chicago? Or are the Bulls in love with White? That is interesting. I'm just saying it is hard, really hard for me to see Kobe White falling to pick 11. So interesting that the Wolves brought him in. Interesting that he, his agent, agreed to come to town for a workout. But the headline is Kobe White in town today for a Wolves workout. I'm a big fan. White is among a few first-round prospects that will be in before the June 20th draft. Next week, Brandon Clark of Gonzaga is in. Tyler Hero of Kentucky is in. In the coming days, Keldon Johnson of Kentucky will be in before the draft, as will Nasir Little of North Carolina. Now, the Wolves earlier today also had six non-first-round prospects in for workouts, including hometown kid Amir Coffey. Dedrick Lawson of Kansas was also in, as was Chris Wilkes of U. UCLA Coffee Wilkes Lawson, the headliners from today. Matt Mooney of Texas Tech, remember him starring at the Final Four at U.S. Bank Stadium in April? He was in town for a workout on Wednesday. Minneapolis native Ree Travis was in for a Wolves workout last year. Unfortunately, he had to miss Portsmouth. He hasn't worked out for NBA teams so far this spring because of a knee injury. First suffered the knee injury in February, then came back, missed a brief time for Kentucky, came back, wanted to play in March Madness, came oh so close to coming home for the Final Four but Kentucky fell in the Elite Eight, but now the knee has been acting up. But he's almost back. He hopes to get some team workouts in in the next two weeks. Anyway, Reed was home for a brief stretch. Remember him starring at De La Salle High School? Fantastic class of 2014 with him, Tyus Jones, Rashad Vaughn, who did play senior year at a prep school, and J.P. McKeer. Anyway, Reed was home for a stretch earlier this week, and he was nice enough to come in studio. Here is my conversation with Reed Travis. Reed, just take us through, like... I think about this time last year, you were about to commit to Kentucky. You were going through the pre-draft process, working out for teams. Is it just crazy to think about how much has happened in the last year? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to even really put it into words how much has really happened. I mean, at this point last year, I was thinking I was going to make the jump to the NBA uh, and was all about that and then kind of got the feedback that it would be best for me to go back to college. So then started looking at schools and then Kentucky came on my radar, ultimately committed there and went there. And just to think about that whole season and then back to this point, uh, it's just gone so fast. I mean, think about your year at Kentucky too. I mean, some ups, some downs with the injury. You know, you're on the cusp of getting back here to U.S. Bank Stadium for the for the Final Four, but you guys losing the Elite Eight. Just take us through your year at Kentucky. 
Yeah, it was a great year, like you said. Uh, just a lot of ups and downs as far as me dealing with the injury uh, towards the later part of the year. But just the atmosphere and just the experience that I was able to have there, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think I made the best decision possible as far as spending my fifth year there. And it's just something I cherish. Um, and like you said, one game away from coming back home for the Final Four, although that's heartbreaking, it's still tough for me to talk about it. Still a great year, and I still have so many great memories. So definitely experience that I'll always remember. How did your role change? I mean, I'm thinking about you at Stanford being the guy at Kentucky, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, so much talent. How did your role change there? Yeah, I mean, it was a big shift for me. I came from Stanford where it's 20 points a game, 10 rebounds, and I was asked to do a lot, put the team on my back in a lot of games and provide a lot of that. Then you go to school like Kentucky where there's a lot of players that can do similar things like I can, where everyone's a 20-point-a-game scorer and everyone's the man coming from wherever they are. So for me, it was all just about sacrifice and just doing what the coaches wanted me to do, whether I was rebound, play good defense. Um, and you got to sacrifice minutes, you got to sacrifice points, but ultimately, that's why schools like that are special is because you can get a group of guys that are all willing to do that. And that's why you can go far in the tournament and have the success that we did because everyone was willing to sacrifice. I mean, do you feel like you're tougher? I mean, one year under Coach Cal, do you feel like you're as tough as, as ever? Oh, yeah. I mean, just being coached by him and just kind of having that work ethic put in by him. Uh, he's a different type of coach, and there's a reason why he gets his, has as much success as he does with certain players because he really does push you. And although it was just a year, I feel like I've learned so much from him that I'm going to apply uh, to my career after Kentucky. When you talk about sacrifice, I mean, you got hurt in February, right? The knee. Did you come back maybe sooner than maybe you should have, but you wanted to sacrifice, you wanted to play in the tournament, you wanted to try to get back here for the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if this was an injury that happened in the off season, I would have took a couple months off, just let it heal, and kind of did that route. Um, but for me, going there and playing in the tournament was such a big part of the experience that I wanted. Um, whenever I got any kind of inclination that they said that you could play, I was going to do it. So I put the brace on and kind of just went out there and did it because those were memories I knew looking back that I wanted to have, having not played in the tournament while I was at Stanford. If there was any part of me that could be out there and play, I was going to make sure that it happened. Take us through where you're at health-wise now and when you'll be able to start working out for, for teams or will it be after the draft and you know maybe it's summer league that you'll start playing? Yeah, so right now I'm kind of inching my way close. Uh, I'm back to playing uh, five on five and competing against guys. Um, still just trying to get my conditioning back and trying to get my body back to a, a good spot where I feel comfortable going out to workout. So my plan is to try and get some workouts set up right before the draft um, and then get on a summer league roster and kind of just go from there. I mean, does it feel okay, though, just because you did work out for teams last year that some of these teams do have a book on you? Yeah, it's nice that I've had that experience, and I love that they put that rule in to where you can work out for teams and still go back to school. So I have five teams kind of already on the radar that I worked out for. They saw some of the things that I tried to work on and develop on because they saw me work out last year. So it's, it's nice to kind of have that in my back pocket, um, and I'm glad I was able to do that. What were some of those things that those teams, those five teams that you worked out for last year, whatever number it was, what feedback did they give you and said, okay, Reed, you need to work on this your senior year? Yeah, one of the biggest things was just develop my shot, continue just to stretch my range out. Um, that's a big part of the league now is just being able to hit a, a wide open three so you can make guys go out there and defend you, uh, opens up lanes and things like that, and then just defend multiple positions. You see a lot of ball screens even in the playoffs where they're switching one through five um, late shot clock. So for me, it's just trying to stay in front of smaller guys, work on my footwork. Um, so that was one thing I really worked on this year. It's still a work in progress, but those were the two things they wanted to see. Does it feel like your dream of playing in the NBA is is that much closer? 
Yeah, I definitely feel close. Um, it's crazy once you start, you get aging and you start talking to these teams and the summer leagues coming up to draft. Um, it's the closest I've ever been. It's just a dream come true. I mean, I'm, I'm put in a great situation. It's just a blessing. I mean, I think about your high school class. I mean, Tyus Jones, Rashad Vaughn, J.P. McCure. I mean, he scored in the league this year, and he got the two-way contract in Charlotte. I mean, do you look at that class and say, okay, those guys made it. It's now my turn to make it? For sure. I mean, I've been cheering them on for years, seeing those guys have success in the league. Um, but also just understanding that everyone kind of has their own path, their own journey. So wherever it takes me, I'm, I'm happy with it. I feel like I've done everything the right way, put myself in the right position to have success and, and, and to do the things that I need to at the next level. So it'd definitely be cool to be one of the last puzzle pieces part of that class to play at the next level. Is Europe an option at all, or will you stay stateside and if you need to play in the G League you'll play in the G League and fight your way and and one day make it to the NBA. Yeah, right now I haven't really entertained Europe uh, or anything like that. I'm kind of just focused on trying to get on a summer league roster, see what two-way contracts are looking like, G League contracts, um, and just trying to fight my way right now. Um, obviously, that could change. I'm open to any possibility, but right now it's kind of that's my main focus. Is it maddening, though? I mean, if you went through some of these draft workouts, your agency pro day a couple weeks ago, that, that maybe you'd put yourself in a really good position to maybe go in the second round? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the frustrating part is having to miss Portsmouth, having to miss the G League Combine and some of these workouts, the pro day. Um, those are just things where teams could see me. But I think the thing working in my favor is that I was in college for five years. So teams definitely have a lot of film on me. They see me play enough games. So although it's frustrating with the injury that I can't be out there, um, there's definitely enough tape and things like that. So I think that should go over well for me. How happy are you for your younger brother, Jalen? He's got to go for football offer. I mean, he's just he's blowing up on the recruiting front. Yeah, I'm so excited for him. I feel like I'm as invested in his recruitment as he is right now. Uh, feels like I'm reliving it with some of the schools that he's looking at and things like that. So happy, very proud for him. He worked hard, so he definitely deserves it. I mean, really, it worked out pretty well. I mean, collegially for you in so many different ways to have the Stanford degree, right? That experience, that degree, and then to be able to play the one year at Kentucky to really get ready for your pro career. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I say I'm really blessed. Uh, at the time when I got hurt my sophomore year and had the red shirt, that's not something I thought. I thought it was the end of the world. Uh, but then it worked itself out where I graduated, had another year, could go play at a basketball powerhouse and really just experience what that type of college basketball was like. Uh, when you match up the two experiences, I don't think there's there's a better college experience I could ask for. You know, I'll leave you with this too. I mean, when it comes to Tyler, Keldon, PJ, just lay out how do you think those guys will do as NBA players? I think they'll all do really well, um, and there's there's one trait that they all have um, that I think bodes well in the NBA, and that's just their work ethic. I mean, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you'll see all three of those guys in there working. I think that's kind of just something that's instilled in you at Kentucky, um, but those guys all have it, and then they all bought in right away. Um, it didn't just happen overnight. Obviously, all three of them are talented, but they put the work in, great guys, and they just put in a lot of hours in the gym, and I see why they're having the success that they are. And was defense instilled a little bit more? Not that defense wasn't a priority at Stanford, but does Coach Cal really pound defense? Oh, he's big time on defense. I mean, he doesn't care how well you can score the ball. Uh, I remember a lot of film sessions earlier in the year where guys were just getting called out, called out. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can be scoring 20 points a game or be so talented on offense, and he won't play you if you can't defend your position. I think that accountability is really what helped us become a great team and help those guys become great players is that he's holding you accountable. It doesn't matter who you are or how highly rated you are. You're going to have to play a certain way, and I think everyone's happy that he pushed us in that way. That was Minneapolis native NBA draft prospect Reed 
Travis. One other Wolves note. I saw a note, I think it was in The Athletic, that Kevin Burleson, the former Gopher, is, quote, likely to be joining the Wolves coaching staff in a developmental role. I'm told it is going to happen. It absolutely is going to happen. Burleson knows Gerson Rosas. They spent some time together in Houston. So look for Kevin Burleson to join Ryan Saunders' staff in a developmental role. When we come back, we do a deep dive on the Twins draft. Get to know draft picks Matt Canarino and Matt Walner. back on this friday night it is the second segment of the scoop podcast let's do a deep dive on the twins and the major league baseball draft we'll begin with the twins third pick number 54 overall he's from rice university in houston he is pitcher matt cantorino matt was the conference usa pitcher of the year he led the conference in opposing batting average he was second in the conference in strikeouts he had a 281 era my intel is arizona pick 56 wanted matt badly so the Twins, two picks ahead of Arizona, jumped in. They got Matt. They should have Matt signed here in the very, very, very near future. Let's get to know Matt Cantorino. Matt, I appreciate your time. Let's circle back to Monday night as it's pick, let's say, 48, 49, 50. Just take us back to that moment, your emotions, as you're at that point, I'm presuming a little bit nervous, just wondering when you would get selected. Oh, you know, it was – um. Around that time, you know, I hadn't had a word yet from my advisor that, that, that night, so it was uh, still waiting on near my phone, still very anxious, still very excited for whatever was going to happen that night. And then next thing I know, it was, it was a blast just real quick. It was um, my advisor called me up saying, saying, you're going to the, you're going to the Twins, number 54 overall. And he goes, wait a second, you might be going to the Diamondbacks, number 56 overall. The next thing you know, uh, two minutes later after that, you're going to the Twins, number 54 overall. And by this point in time, three picks have passed. It was number 53, and then next thing I know, number 54 uh, came up on the board, and my name was called, and I was beyond ecstatic. And it was just a whirlwind. It was it went from nothing to complete excitement with all within five minutes, and it was just a dream come true within that time, too. I had my family behind me, um, all supporting me, and people I really cared about behind me that were there, and it was just... It was just a blast, and I couldn't be more excited to be a twin right now. Matt, you say complete excitement. What about complete craziness? So you thought for one <laughs> second maybe you would be an Arizona Diamondback, not a Minnesota <laughs> twin. I mean, that's the intel. The word is Arizona was going to take you if you were yes, there sir. at pick 56. So, I mean, what was going through your mind thinking, wait, am I a twin or am I a Diamondback? Oh, my gosh. It was, uh, you know, it was honestly a pretty cool scenario, best of both worlds, because uh, um, so – uh, Rice University. Two of the past three pitchers um, in the MLB have been Minnesota Twins and in JT Chargois and uh, Tyler Duffy. And then the other, uh, the the third uh, pitcher, uh, he recently got called up. He's an Arizona Diamond, Diamondback, uh, John Duplantier. So I was I was ready to continue like a little bit of a Rice legacy there, which with with whatever team I wanted to go. But then the fact that the Twins uh, kind of won out was just absolutely awesome i i mean i i really connected with the twins whenever i had my visit with their area scout and it was a it was just a really cool experience and i'm uh like i said i can't be more happy right now so when you say that you had a connection with the area scout i mean did you sense heading into monday night that there was a realistic chance that you would end up with the twins you know it obviously the obviously team has their own board but i knew for a fact that 
if if if, if they uh, cared about that meeting like similarly similarly to how I cared about it, then it would then there was definitely always a chance that I was I could be a Minnesota twin, whether it be um, day one or the next day. And so I was uh, the fact that it happened on day one is an even cooler experience. And so I like I said, it's just still sinking in right now, and it's just uh, completely incredible. What do you know about the Twins? I mean, Tyler Duffy is still here in the organization. Do you have a relationship sure. with Tyler? Actually, it was uh, super cool. Tyler Duffy reached out reached out to me uh, today earlier, congratulating me on being drafted by the Twins. And so, like I said, I, I just kind of uh, texted him back saying thanks so much. And like I said, trying to build upon a little bit of the Rice legacy and the Minnesota Twins legacy that he's leaving. So it's uh, it was that was super cool to get in touch with him. And I had never been to Minnesota before, but I hear the I hear the Twin Cities are great, and I hear that Target Field is even better, and can't wait to work my way up there. And is the plan for you to be up here? I mean, pretty quickly that you'll sign here in the in the very near future. Obviously, uh, the exact dates are to be to be determined, but I am completely ready to come up to Minneapolis and uh, do whatever I need to do to become a Minnesota Twin. Matt, you brought up Rice's legacy, the Twins' legacy. What about South Lake High School's legacy? Looking at some of the athletes of the high school that you came from there in Texas. I mean, it is an impressive list, right? Chase Daniel, who's now, what, the yes, backup sir. quarterback in Chicago. You've got Ross Stripling, yes. who's now, is he in the Dodgers rotation, Dodgers bullpen, but uh, Dodgers I, pitcher. I, I forget exactly what he is, but he's, he's a Dodgers pitcher. Yeah, John Curtis, um, who had a cup of coffee with the Twins, yep. who's been in the majors. I mean, there's a bunch of really good athletes from your high school. For sure, for sure. So, the what most people know about South Lake is that the football program is pretty historic, but I think the baseball program is on its way up too. Well, um, you mentioned those guys. Um, you mentioned those guys that have had a cup of tea or two in there, but I think that there's now a couple of extra people that are getting into organizations that are gonna hopefully have even more than a cup of tea, and hopefully including myself. And it's awesome to be a. It was. It was a awesome being able to kind of uphold like they call it the dragon legacy too i guess so like i said it's everything i do has led up to this point i'm just still trying to build off of it we're talking to new twins pitcher matt canarino out of rice university the twins took him on monday night with pick number 54 overall the first day of the three-day major league baseball draft matt take us through what kind of pitcher you are how many pitches do you throw uh, so I'm a four-pitch guy. I throw a fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup. And that's pretty much been the way it has been um, all of college. I came, into, I came into college with only a curveball and a changeup, no slider. Um, I, um, coach Wayne Graham, who was the head coach of Rice Baseball at the time, I, I, re, I reported to campus, um, taught me the spike curveball, so that became my full-time curveball. I switched my curveball at the time into a slider. And that's kind of how I came about that repertoire. So, and it's worked really well for me since. I, I pride myself in being able to throw all those pitches for strikes and being able to dissect what kind of situation and, and know which pitch of which pitch is going to be the best in that situation. And so, I think that I love to attack hitters. It's just so, like I said, it, it, be able to throw all those pitches uh, in the situation that I want is just the way I like going about the game. And then the rest kind of just flows from there. Matt, I'll plead stupidity. Take me through what a spike curveball is. How does that differentiate uh, from a traditional curveball? Um, basically, all it is is uh, instead of um, putting, pushing my index finger kind of into my middle finger to flick the baseball, I um, brace that. I brace the knuckle of my, um, well, the fingernail of my index finger into the seam instead. 
and it just it's so all so it's basically my uh, my middle fingers in the same position as a regular curveball, and my uh, index fingers kind of pushed up into the horseshoe to kind of brace it a little bit better and helps me get on top of it a lot better. Of your four pitches, Matt, which one is the best? You know, like like I said, um, I've had people tell me that the slider is really good. I've had people tell me that the curveball is a complete out pitch, and I've had people tell me that my fastball has a lot of unexpected life onto it. So I like I like the way that they all – I think that they all play off of each other really well, and that's my best strength. And, I mean, you can throw all four for strikes. I mean, I saw a note that Baseball America entering the collegiate season had you as the number one college pitcher in terms of – Control. How much pride do you take in not walking guys in throwing strikes? Oh, you know, I, I hate I hate giving freebies up to, to the other team. So that's probably the main factor that plays into it. So at some point, I I try to realize that baseball is a game of failure for hitters, and so my job as a pitcher is to try to exploit that, and that includes throwing a lot of strikes and a lot of strikes with a lot of pitches to just try to keep them off balance and try to stay ahead and try to do my job. Take us through all your experience. I mean, it's not just Rice University. It's not just South Lake High School. I mean, what, a Team USA appearance or two and Cape Cod League? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that was uh, – so up up, in, up until my junior – up until my uh, um, junior summer um, last year – I mean, oh, my, my sophomore summer last year, uh, um, it, it, had, it had been mostly um, my South Lake Carroll experience and my uh, – Rice baseball experience. So being able to branch out and play summer ball for Team USA briefly and for the Cape Cod Thelma's Commodores um, for a good chunk of that summer as well was just an awesome experience. It was a chance to play against some top-tier competition that a lot of whom um, went in this year's draft. I think the Commodores had something like seven guys picked up on day one, including myself. So it, it was, like I said, the, the competition there is uh, top-tier and it was just, and it's just to be able to kind of see what it takes to be able to succeed at that level because I was fortunate enough to have success during the summer. It w- it just helped me um, beyond what I could have hoped for coming into it, and it's just it's something I'm very uh, thankful for. I'll hit you with three more, then I'll let you go. Take us through your unique delivery for those listening that that haven't seen Matt's delivery, just check out my Twitter, shameless plug, D Wolfs and KSTP. I tweeted out some video clips of you, but you have a unique delivery. Take us through that. Um, so basically uh, what happens with the delivery is I, I picked it up during my uh, – going into my junior year of high school or so, and it was basically at like a one-day pitching camp where we were doing like a drill beforehand where we had, uh, where we had to raise our legs and arms at the um, – same time to kind of keep our lower uh, half and our top half in sync and I for some reason I just did it a little bit more exaggerated than everybody else and so it was just like I said it was just supposed to be a drill to kind of get it in our head that that was supposed to happen I threw a bullpen there he said you need to work on that drill where we keep our top half and lower half in sync and so instead I just kind of implemented the drill into my motion and the fact that it was more exaggerated kind of stuck so hence the high leg pump and the high arm raise and it just keeps my timing and if it uh, throws a hitter off every once in a while, then that's cool, too. Absolutely. Now, where are you at in terms of workload? I mean, can you still throw some innings if the Twins want to start you at rookie ball, or are you going to shut down for the rest of this summer? I haven't been able to talk with them uh, much about that yet, but the fact is I'm ready to, be, I'm ready to get my uh, pro baseball career started, and if that includes throwing um, innings uh, this summer, then I feel in great shape right now, and I'm ready to go. If it means that they want to um, – 
get me prepped for this next year, then I'm ready for that as well because I'll just use the time to get better no matter what. What impresses you more? I'll leave you with this, Matt. What impresses you more being the Conference USA Pitcher of the Year or having, is it a 397 or a 399, but regardless, whatever one it is, <laughs> your grade point average with a major in mechanical engineering. I mean, Matt, to me, at Rice University, mechanical engineering, to have a grade point average just below four is simply amazing. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll correct that statement. To, it is a 3.97. I ended up getting an A- minus in one of my classes Uh-oh. after after that 3.99 was reported, <laughs> so... Don't tell the dean of the uh, don't tell the dean at Rice about that. But um, <laughs> it's a uh, I would say that I I just take extreme pride in both just because baseball is a passion, mechanical engineering is a passion for me as well. That's why I was able to put as much time into it and be able to succeed like succeed like I have so far in that. And then the fact that I've been able to succeed in baseball as culminating in the Conference USA Pitcher of the Year is beyond awesome too. So from a me standpoint, I definitely take extreme amounts of pride in both. Matt, congratulations on everything, and hopefully we can connect when you're here in town in Minneapolis when you sign with the Twins. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for reaching out. From one Matt to another, actually the two are friends. I was remiss in not asking Canarino about Walner. Matt Walner of Forest Lake went to the Twins, picked 39 overall by way of Southern Mississippi, turned down the Gophers. It's actually got one heck of a backstory how he ended up at Southern Mississippi. The Twins took him with their second overall pick, and they should have him signed like Canarino in the very near future. Let's catch up with Matt Walner. Matt, thank you for your time. Take us back to Monday night, the excitement. I mean, as it was building, did you think the hometown Twins, the team that you grew up rooting for, did you think that you would end up at pick 39 to the hometown team? Um, Selfishly, that was definitely the hope. Um, I heard from my advisor earlier in the day that realistically it was um a safe bet would be between kind of picks 40 and, and 60 and i couldn't help but notice the twins sitting there at 39 and and um i just i had that pick kind of from that point on but forgot to or, uh, tried to forget about it and just uh relax that day but i got a call from my advisor at about pick 37 and um <laughs> he brought the good news so uh it, it was a dream come true on the good news, Matt, who was there in the room with you to celebrate? Um, we were back at my house here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and um, my parents were there, my girlfriend, uh, my two best friends from high school, um, and, and a bunch of my teammates. So it was really sur- surrounded by uh, just the, the perfect people for that situation. Now, your mom and girlfriend, are they emotional? Were there a lot of tears? Uh, there there definitely was from my mom. Um yeah, I was just I was happy that they could be there with me, and um, it just made the the moment even that much more special for myself. Take us back to the pre-draft process, maybe even Monday morning into the afternoon. I mean, were you thinking? I mean, the intel was that the Astros really liked you, the Royals really liked you. I mean, was your sense that maybe you would end up with one of those two organizations and not the Twins? Yeah, definitely. I was. I know the Astros had been been on me for a while, but I kind of felt as if I was going to fall kind of in between their picks. And uh, the Royals were were definitely in, in the heart of it. Um, I think they had maybe a pick, probably 42, 43 range-ish. And um, I kind of thought maybe that's where I'll fall, just not getting my hopes up at, at 39. So they were definitely in the mix as, as well as some other teams. But some other teams were um, also definitely out of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was nervous, but I just tried to uh, – try to forget about it and just relax and enjoy the day the the most I could. 
Take us back through the years, your fandom, when it comes to the Twins. I mean, do you recall vividly going to games at the Metrodome, at Target Field, rooting on the likes of Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a huge Twins fan growing up. Um, I remember rushing home from from school or or practice to watch the games and going to at least a handful of games every year, Um, starting at the, the Metrodome, walking in there and as as little as I was, almost getting blown down from uh, <laughs> the pressure rushing out of the building. Yeah. But um, it was it was just so much fun to to root for them with the guys like Mauer, Morneau, Kadire, Kubel, Johan Santana, Brad Radke, even and uh, just just awesome with with Guardy at the helm when I was younger. And um, I mean, ever since then, I definitely always dreamed of being a twin, and um, kind of just fueled me from there on there on out. And did I see a photo? Did you throw a first pitch before a Twins game at Target Field? I did. I did. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be named uh, Mr. Baseball my senior year. So me and um, the uh, the Miss Softball, I think her name was Caitlin Kemet-Miller, who had a good season with the Gophers this year. We were, able, we were fortunate enough to throw out the first pitch, and I got to uh, throw it out to Brian Dozier. So that um, being a Southern Miss guy made it even more special. Yeah, I mean, heck, do you have a connection to Brian Dozier? Do you guys spend some time, or have you spent some time in the past together there in Hattiesburg? Yeah, he uh, he works out with us and, and practice with us, and kind of in the off season starting in January. So I was I was around him a lot and got to know him definitely um, uh, from being around him there. And, and he's just a, a stand up guy and and um, definitely a huge guy to look up to. And that relationship was uh, was awesome for me. It was it was really really cool. Take us back, Matt, to that senior year at Forest Lake. I mean, heck, the Twins drafted you. I mean, heck, they took you in, what, the 32nd round in the 2016 draft. So speaking of coming full circle now three years later, going about 930 picks earlier. But take us through your backstory. Am I right that you initially committed to the University of North Dakota, but they then abandoned their baseball program? Just take us through that whole story, how you ended up at Southern Mississippi. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, it's it's kind of a crazy one. I committed to North Dakota my junior year, and uh, found found out the the first game of my senior year that they cut their program and didn't really know what I was going to do or where I would end up or even if I was going to be uh, fortunate enough to play somewhere. And um, so it was kind of a scramble. But uh, Coach Dodson up at North Dakota, he's originally from Alabama, so he coached down here against two coaches at Southern Miss and. They kept in touch over the years and um, just got me in connection with Southern Miss. And I went down a vi- on a visit, I think, about the middle of May, my senior year, and and just fell in love with it. Um, you know, it, it was just uh, the whole community, uh, everything you could ask for as a, as a um, uh, prospective collegiate athlete. So it was uh, definitely a journey and um, with some ups and downs, but um, yeah, just very fortunate to land here in Hattiesburg and and thankful for the years I spent here. Was it an easy decision? I mean, was there any pull? I mean, the Gophers offered, right? Was there any pull to play for the hometown Gophers? Um, yes, sir, absolutely. Um, it was it was definitely something growing up that uh, the Gophers were my team. Um, I mean, not necessarily in, in, in baseball, no disrespect, but it's, um, you know, a big hockey, basketball, football school kind of. So those, those I definitely I'd still follow them to this day. But, um, yeah, I, I just uh, – I, I figured I'd, I'd get away from home and and kind of move out of uh, Minnesota for the time being, just kind of experience something different. And when I went down to Hattiesburg and 
saw 3,500 people at a game and, um, you know, playing warm weather year round, it just kind of drew me in and going on at visits after that, I just couldn't get that out of my head and, and knew I needed to be a golden eagle in the end. You're six feet five, you're 220 pounds, you're the all-time home run king at Southern Mississippi, but you have a bit of a pitching background, but is the idea that the Twins want you for your bat, not your arm? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've kind of kind of made it clear that I want to be an everyday guy. Um, I just, I love to hit. I, I'll hit 24-7 if I could. Um, and I just, I want to carry that into my f- future in, um, with the Twins and, and just thankful for the opportunity that they gave me to do that. And I mean, heck, were you always a power guy? I mean, did the power come later on in your teenage years? Take us through how you developed your power. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I've not always been a power guy. I've, I've hit some homers growing up, but um, I really tapped into it after my junior year. I was uh, about 6'4", 190 pounds soaking wet after my junior year, and I think I hit maybe 320, 330 with two homers, and I didn't hit any of my sophomore year, so I was just a skinny guy. That summer, I really got into nutrition and, and weightlifting um, with a guy by the name of uh, Cody Beam, who who works out of um, you know Lionel Lakes and just kind of around me in Forest Lake, and he just got me um, to gain about 25 pounds, and I uh, really got into weightlifting for the first time, and and that just that brought um, definitely some power in my senior year when I hit 10, 10 home runs, and and um, obviously into my collegiate career, he uh, certainly helped me with that going forward as well, and. Um, but, yeah, just gaining weight for me was the huge thing that helped me tap into my power and, and uh, the only reason that I was um, able to be picked that high for sure. Is there a plan, Matt? I mean, do you know when you'll be here in town, when you'll officially sign? Um, I, I do not know exactly. I'm, I'm thinking probably in the coming week. Uh, I'm looking forward to going back up for for a brief stint and hoping to catch a game while I'm there. Um, but I'm just excited to go back and, and get started. And, I mean, when you say get started, I mean, do you have – has there been any dialogue about where you might start? I mean, might you start at low-class A Cedar Rapids? It, I think it would be either uh, Cedar Rapids or Elizabethan, Tennessee. I think that might be the more likely option. So, But at, at least to start anyways. But, but nothing's uh, set in stone, I don't believe, as of now. I was remiss. Earlier in this segment, I had somebody you know well. I mean, the Twins were all about Conference USA taking you at pick 39, taking rice pitcher Matt Canarino at pick 54. But my understanding is not only are you guys or were competitors in Conference USA, but were you guys teammates? How well do you know in the Cape Cod League? How well, Matt, do you know Matt Canarino? Oh, yeah, Canarino. He's he's an awesome guy. My my parents actually got to uh, know his parents as well when we were at Rice this, this year in Houston, Texas. And um, but yeah, I played with him on Team USA briefly, and then oh, nice. in the Cape as well. So we we got to spend some time together this last summer, and and just um, it was really fun and enjoyed playing with him. And when my teammate texted me that uh, the Twins picked him up as well, that, that I just couldn't help but smile and laugh. That I'm so excited to to be alongside uh, Canarino, and um, he'll uh, definitely keep me laughing in the dugout. And he's just a, he's a really a competitor we faced him in the conference tournament to uh to uh the last couple or two weeks ago and he uh he got the best of me that game but i've had <laughs> good, a couple of good games against him before i won't say what happened but he uh he's he's an awesome pitcher and definitely the guy you circle every time um rice rice comes into town 
Matt, I'll leave you with this. I mean, as much as this is a dream come true, getting drafted by the hometown Twins, how much of this is just the start of your journey? That, okay, Elizabethton, into Cedar Rapids, into Fort Myers, into Pensacola, into Rochester, that one day, it might be a year from now, two years, might be five years from now, but that one day you want to actually play at Target Field, you want to wear that Twins uniform. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely the start. Just um, just humbling to think about that journey, but um, I, I couldn't be more excited to get going. But it's this is this is definitely surreal, but the real moment is when you first take that uh, step on Target Field wearing wearing uh, that Twins jersey for real. And uh, that's just the uh, moment that all the Twins picks dream of and and all, all the draft picks for their prospective teams um, dream of. So it's just hard work and a lot of dedication is going to go into that. And um, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think I can speak for a lot of Twins fans, Matt, that, that they are awaiting that day too. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. The pride of Forest Lake, the Twins pick at number 39 overall, Matt Walner. Before Matt Walner, we had the Twins pick at pick 54, Matt Canarino. Look for news in the coming days of both guys signing. Signing both guys will not be an issue. The man who drafted those guys is Sean Johnson. We'll catch up with Sean Johnson next. It's final segment time here on the Scoop Podcast. Let's get a review of the Twins draft from the boss, the man himself. He is scouting director Sean Johnson. Sean has final say in the Twins draft room. By the way, Walner, Cantorino, Keone Cavaco, those top three picks, all expected in town in the next few days. Look for Keone, the Twins pick at number 13 overall, to sign for below slot. In fact, the Twins will get a bunch of guys in below slot, but below slot at pick 13 is $4.2 million. That's the recommended slot at pick 13, 4.2 million. Look for the Twins to sign Keone for under $4.2 million. Here is my conversation with Sean Johnson. All right, Sean, 41 players taken, more pitchers than hitters, although hitter heavy toward the top. I mean, I guess big picture, did you accomplish everything you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, again, you know, like we talked about going into the draft, we thought the the college infielder group and outfielders to some degree were the, the strongest parts of the of the draft with the high school arms and the college pitching being down a little bit this year. So day two, we went on that run with taking a lot of uh, college hitters, which is, uh, I think, a, a pool that we wanted to, to be um, you know, picking out of. But, I mean, strategically, did you want to make sure, you know, like with the rice pitcher, Canarino, at pick 54, was there some strategy there to make sure that you didn't go – you know, hitter, 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 that you had to mix in a pitcher toward the top? I don't think we're in, we weren't taking hitter in hitter mode every pick, you know, so you, there's there's pitching you want at every selection, but after 13, you know, you, you're just going who you think's the best player available, which is always the go-to token line, but it's true. Um, so day two, it fell that way. I think we saw, you know, there's always a point where you see the, the break in the quality that you really want to take in rounds three, four, five, so... Uh, the hitters that were there, we all we liked all spring, and um, you know just fit the game plan a little bit better. All right, on your first pick, Cavaco, late bloomer is that the word? Well, I don't know if he's if Cavaco's a late bloomer or not. He just late to the scene. You know, we we didn't see him. If if he would have been at every perfect game event all summer and people knew who he was, I, there's a chance I think that he doesn't make it to our pick. You know, he's you know we don't think that there's 
from a tool standpoint that he's light years behind Bobby Witt, we would say it's pretty close. Um, you know, and, and you know, Bobby Witt, we've known for two years, and he's been on Team USA, and and Keone hasn't been on. You know, we've got to know him starting in November, so we don't think it <clears throat> they're that far apart from a a physical or a tool standpoint. Um, so I think it's really the the way the industry works now is if you're not familiar with a player, you're gonna be a little hesitant, and it just becomes you know really risky for teams, especially in the top ten. But uh, we knew there was a chance he might not have made it to our pick at 13, and he wouldn't have gotten far behind us either. So um, the industry took a while to catch up. The industry ranks that you see, the, the mock drafts that people buy into, we knew he was going to be lower on those than Bobby Witt or Adley Rutschman or guys like that. Um, but, again, uh, a credit to our, our guys, starting with John Levitt, our area scout, Elliot Strangman, our West Coast guy, Tim O'Neill, who went and saw him, Cavaco several times, and then Darren, myself, Tim, we had a lot of guys see uh, uh, Keone play all spring. So we got to know him. We sped the process up. And again, like when we go see Royce play we, we in, the, in the spring of 2017, we kept going saying, you know, this guy might be a shortstop. And the industry had him as he's got to play center field, which was information from the prior summer when he didn't play short for Team USA. So. We, did, we felt like we did a lot of work. We outworked some people on both guys. Um, but uh, a credit to our staff and, the, and the, the diligence they put into, you know, getting to know Keone as fast as we did. And, and you know, we'll see. It's a risky guy to take, and, but the upside is as good as anybody in this draft, in, in our opinion. So we're, we're good with that. So, I mean, it was one of those deals where, as the board shook out, you were just hoping he'd get to 13, that once he was there, I mean, was there much debate? I mean, Stott was on the board. Some other guys were on the board. But once you saw him there at 13, that he made it to 13, was it snap of the fingers, boom, we know that's our guy? No, I mean, I don't think you ever want to be like in a mode where this is absolutely the guy we're taking, unless you're picking one. You want to keep your options open. You want to have enough of a frame to go, which of these two or three players is the best option? That's how I mentally attack every round as we make decisions. Um, but, you know, we could have gone a couple different ways there. He wasn't the... It wasn't like if Keone makes it, we're taking him. There were college players there that we that we liked that went before us and after us, and you know we liked the pitching too. It wasn't a matter of we're not taking pitching, we're absolutely taking this player A. It was just the way it fell, and then you know you're on the phone with three agents at the same time trying to maneuver deals, and it's a it's 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 a high octane moment. And uh, I think Derek and Thad, who are and myself, were talking to most of the agents there. It's kind of a uh, a thrill ride. I guess that's the best way to put it. There's a lot going on that you don't see. You just see a name get selected, and there's a lot of stuff going on right before that pick that, you know, stays within our room, obviously, but it, it's, a, it's a good time. It's a fun time. On the Force Lake kid, Matt Walner, I mean, heck, like December, January, February, was he viewed as maybe a top 10, top 15 type pick? Gets off to the slow start that maybe starts to fall, and, you know, it adds to the story that he's a local guy, but regardless of where he's from, it seems like he got one heck of a player there at 39. Yeah, I mean, whether he was from here or Florida, I think he was a probably a first-round guy going into the season. I don't know if he was in our range at 13, but somewhere in the first 30, you, would, you wouldn't argue that uh, with his track record of performance, and, you know, the guy almost hit 60 home runs in three years at Southern Miss, so... He, he had put himself in a spot to be considered for those picks, no question. So we're really happy to get him at 39. And, uh, you know, I was in another article about we're bringing him home. So that's always a good thing to do. We, but whether he was from, like I said, another state or here, 
we're glad we got the player and, and we're glad we got to select Matt again. 6'5", 220. I mean, that power should be able to play at any level. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got real light tower power. Uh, some of the best in this draft. I, th I think he's similar to Larnick in a sense. Um, his raw power rivals Trevor's for sure. Um, and, it, and, and his comp tools are really good. He can really throw. Obviously, he was a, a decorated pitcher as well. And um, you know, he moves well for his size. So a lot to like there. From Canarino on down, give us a name or two where you're like, okay, this guy really, really excites me. Um, I mean, you're asking the wrong guy. I'm excited about all of them at moment in time, but um, I think Steer, a third rounder, is a guy that I think historically we've kind of not been so attracted to that we not not getting those types of players. But a great performer. He's a little undersized, but he's strong. He's got track record. We think there's more power in there. Um, and whether he stays it short or not, we, he's got profile. He's got power to profile at second or third. Um, so I'm really excited about that pick. Um, you can keep going gray. Uh, Will Holland was a, was a first rounder three months ago. He had a, not a great spring, and, uh, but his tools are first round uh, caliber. So that's one our, our player development, you know, if they can get that turned around and get him righted, uh, that, that might be a, that's a real upside play there. Casey uh, Legamina, who we took later on on day two, um, you know, he had uh, some, his arm wasn't in, in great shape. He got shut down. He missed the, the back half of the spring. And that was a guy we had kind of penciled in for the back of day one almost, um, all the reports we had. So we got some guys we kind of bought low on and have a chance to hit. You know, if we can hit on some of that, that kind of gives us a chance to separate our drafts. So we're excited about, you know, just those guys and, and all the other guys we took on day two. Signability, I mean, not an issue, especially with those top 10 round guys. I mean, do you figure you'll get a majority of these guys signed? Yeah, the goal is to get the top 10 signed and hopefully quickly. We've got some guys playing, you know, in the Super Regionals, and we'll see how that shakes out. But um, we'll, we're hoping to get all those guys signed and a lot of guys on day three as well. All right, and I'll leave you with this. I mean, the work never stops. I mean, you're already preparing. I mean, is it safe to say, like, today you're already preparing for the 2020 draft? Yeah, um, you know, we've got... The next event is, uh, the first event of the summer is PG National. It's in Phoenix this year. That's next week. We'll have seven guys at that, and we'll start whittling away on the, on the crop. And then, um, you know, Cape Cod and all the other events from this, this summer will be coming up soon. So, yeah, we're right back at it, uh, digging on, on the next year's class. We, we're, we're excited. We're looking forward to it. That's a good guy right there. Twin scouting director, Sean Johnson. One leftover Twins note. We know they did not get Craig Kimbrell, made him an offer, did not get him. The Twins have had their scouts out watching guys, including Will Smith of the Giants. I am positive the bullpen you see today will not be the Twins bullpen on August 1st. They are going to make an addition, maybe even two. So stay tuned on the Twins trade front. We are done. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 234. 